Hey, it's No Driving Gloves on whatever wonderful morning this is. I know it is the Music City Grand Prix weekend up in uh, Derek's neighborhood. Has that, that had it is. Any, has it had any impact on you? Maybe we should actually reach out to the Music City Grand Prix and the Grand Prix of Alabama, since they're both very local to either one of us when they happen. Would love to talk to you. Talk about cars, Ferrari, GTO, Bentley, CRX, and even down to your great-granddad's peerless. Welcome to No Driving Gloves, the Car Talk Authority, where experience, knowledge, and controversy share the same seat. Enjoy the ride. Now your host... John and Derek. It really hasn't had impact on me personally. I live far enough outside of Nashville that it doesn't uh, doesn't affect me. Other than Friday at work was a little busier than normal, which we like to see. Other than that, not really. One of our good listeners stopped by and uh, visited. Got a little uh, tour of the lane motor museum with me so appreciate phil swinging in and saying hi as always great to chat with phil we had him on june-ish of 2020 i'm not sure what episode that was and uh, we want to have him back phil is huge in the rotary and world knows his rotaries maybe Derek will disagree after the visit but no because- no actually a brilliant brilliant guy and actually he's uh he has the same questions i have about rotaries and we are now working together to try to figure out exactly how felix wankel's original design worked versus the design nsu brought out hmm, interesting i know you guys when when i was with white post restorations decades ago it seems which almost it really was billy went around and said hey you could choose anything you want on display out of all the automobilia he had in his shop. And he had this little metal thing. It was a 50s era toy. You could turn the crank on and it was a four-cylinder engine. And pistons would go up and down and little lights would come on to show the spark plugs and that. And I know I've, I felt really good the first time I visited the Lane Motor Museum and I saw a toy that I owned actually on display in a museum. And you guys have a collection of those. And if I remember correctly, you even have a rotary one. Yes, yes, we do. You push, we have a little educational space with some of the cutaway engine models, things like that. Some of them move, some of them don't. And uh, yeah, inside of one of the cases, there is a small rotary that you can push the little button and it spins around and shows you exactly how that rotary at least spins, right? I mean, how it exactly works, it's kind of difficult to show that, but you know, it does, it does give you a good example of how that uh, all moves and why those apex seals are so important. If they could solve the apex seal, I mean, even when the RX-8 came out, they said the apex seal was solved because uh, my ex-wife and I looked at buying a RX-8 when they first came out. I was hesitant on it, and we ended up going a totally different direction. Uh, It wasn't because of that. But then sure enough, within a year or two, apex seals and those motors are wearing out too. So it's... It's a very big challenge if you're not familiar with Apex Seals and that. Maybe we'll figure some of that out later in this episode, or eh, we'll get Phil on and we'll talk about Apex Seals. I know he wants to come back on the podcast, and we need to 
to get some of his knowledge because he's in the last few years, you know, we had him on when he was, he just met Will actually, because he was doing a V8 swap to a, or an LS swap and building the entire motor to a, a Mazda Cosmo that he owned. He actually has our all original one. And then he was modifying and now he's slowly done a transition to Nissan. He's got his GTR and he's got his daily driver infinity and stuff. Don't get too far into it. I don't know how much he's, he's a public person, but he's a very private. Person. We've even talked about him having becoming the third on the podcast, but Phil doesn't like his face out there uh, in public. You know, people know who he is, but he does not like his image out there. And that leads me to a little thing that we're experimenting with right now on all of my podcasts, because we went, got rid of all the video at the beginning of 2023 and get a little bit of clamoring for some video. People want to see the video. And, and I've been working with a couple of things. Uh, we originally teased back in uh, late 2022 on this podcast that we would come up with this massive paywall and you could do all of this stuff. And then of course the show fell apart for us and we left, we just kind of left that in the dust, but it looks like what we're experimenting with is we're either going to just stream live to YouTube, not Facebook, but just YouTube when we record, but more than likely because we're not doing professional publication or promotion or fancy set dressings and that. This is just us getting up and recording about as fancy as I get as I have my no driving gloves uh, swag on, which is available at nodrivinggloves.com. We're going to go ahead and we're going to make our Patreon active, probably looking at a $5 a month tier, $4 a month tier, something like that. And every time we go live, unless it's something that has to be time shifted or there's an embargo or little things like that. Anytime we are able to go live, we're going to live stream the recordings to Patreon. So you can comment, you can discuss, uh, see what's going on. We're doing some tests over the next couple of weeks because these shows are a little bit time shifted. We're going to see how it works out. If it all goes well, this is just kind of the first announcement. Stay tuned on each episode and uh, watch social media and we'll uh, let you know when that actually goes live. But we think it'll be a nice way to enjoy some of the there Derek I've babbled on for five minutes and I agree with everything you said John now would you like to babble on I, I wish I had my faster pussycat they had that song babbling on I was gonna say wasn't that a song I did it, it just it in the back of my head I I thought that was I'm glad you knew uh, the the exact details yeah I might even have it on the uh old iPad here oh fancy Nope, I just have it on my phone, and my phone doesn't have a headphone jack, so it doesn't connect to the board. Well, then, if you want to hear the song, everybody, go out, Google it, whatever, find it, listen to it, you know, have some fun it's with it. It's got a good guitar riff, typical 80s hairband music. Ooh, hairband, nice. So, uh, but no, I mean, John, I've, you know, been just kind of working away and having a little bit of fun here and there. Actually got some time out in my shop yesterday, got it cleaned up, organized, built a few things for making the shop a little better and uh, getting ready to hopefully get the cars ready for some shows at the end of this, you know, this year, the the fall car season, if you will. So what have you been up to? Anything interesting? I've been playing, obviously, a lot background with podcast stuff, cleaning that up, working on making the shows better for everybody. Um, been playing with a little bit of, uh, idea and I don't know if we're probably too much of a time crunch, but the gentleman's drive is coming up late September. Mm, yes, it is. It turn, yep. Turns out there's no set 
thing in Birmingham for that. I don't know about your area. Um contemplating throwing together a drive even though i don't have an eligible card too bad if you want my charity money you, you live with my retro modern vehicle. um and if not i'm trying to see if somebody around here is actually going to launch one and i'm also trying to see if i can get somebody from the gentleman's drive because it is a worldwide thing takes place all over the world on the same day and each little region designs their own drive and um, collects money for various charities. I believe most of it is uh, for men's cancer-related research. Yep. And it just seems like a good, it's a good thing I've always wanted to be involved with. It started out as the gentleman's ride with just motorcycles, and a friend of mine was heavily involved in that. And he passed in, ironically, he passed away a couple of years ago quickly because of cancer, got diagnosed one month and was gone the next month. Kind of caught everybody by surprise. And I kind of like the idea of maybe doing something a little bit in tribute to him. But so looking into that and on the same note, people have said, hey, we need a no driving gloves tour. Uh, found some pretty good tours of basically you can route your way around museums and thinking of doing just very, very early in the stages, but looking at maybe a, a slight weekend museum tour type thing. We could start somewhere and hit three or four museums in the southeast and make it like an overnight or something. But we'll see where that all goes. So I've been I've been doing a lot of background podcast stuff, uh, kind of car related stuff. I tried to make it out to the local car gathering yesterday morning and it just didn't happen. I've got one more Saturday free this month. Otherwise, I'm traveling. And I can't, but we're going to see if I can get get a little bit more involved in the local car scene too. Just so that's where I'm at. Nice. Sorry. Now you, now you've got me trying to figure out if uh, uh, this area, Nashville Bowling Green has a part of the gentleman's drive here. Hmm. It seems that there's not one set for Nashville yet. Nah, it does not we- seem that there's one for Bowling Green. So it looks like maybe, 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 and we're just, we're just spitballing here as John's already said, and maybe not this year, maybe this year, John or myself kind of step up for, for the areas we're in, but maybe just maybe no driving gloves needs to hook up with the gentleman's drive. Seeing we are so close together here. We're not, you know, John's not in California and I'm not in Maine, but we're, what is it, John? I think it's like a three and a half hour drive between our places, right? Uh, If that, and to be honest, I'm going to be knocking on South nashville this month for some of my territory with my uh guess day job yeah i've, got, I've got to do some i've got to do some googling i know i'm going to be staying within probably 30 minutes of you well uh, we gotta we gotta at least do dinner then but maybe so either dinner or i gotta drop off this whole carload of crap that i've got i need to get that, out of my office for you. <laughs> but maybe where i'm going with this is maybe we need to hook up with the gentleman's get involved and maybe we no driving gloves need to host the one that is this kind of Nashville, Birmingham, somewhere in their area. Or maybe it's one in Birmingham, one in Nashville, and we host it. We'll see. We'll see. Let's let's throw some ideas out. We got it. Um, we'll get involved. I had actually reached out to a former guest on the podcast just prior to COVID to work on possibly building a rally company where we go on drives and Instead of them being these fifteen, twenty thousand dollar, you know, Road and Tracks got a wonderful program, and Matt Farah basically leads those drives, and I'd kill to go on it. I just don't got twenty grand for 
three or four days. I'm looking for something that would be less expensive that would be in a way that the guys that can pay 20 grand sure as heck could pay 1200 but we don't want it to appeal to them. You know, we're going to do all the highfalutin stuff that their wives want to do, but something that's a little bit more core to, and maybe just do a two or three day or a Friday, Saturday, Sunday type. That's what this guy and I were working on. So I, this 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 stuff is really appealing to me. But then again, if you saw my basket of things to do between the podcast production business, the day job, uh, the new business, the girl girlfriend and I have kind of launched. I'm a busy man. I spent $16 this week and bought a lap desk. I'd bought a lap desk a while ago that she commandeered and I bought this lap desk and I've been more productive this week since spending that $16 because I'm able to take my laptop and comfortably work on it, sitting in the living room with her watching TV. And I've got so much more work done this week because of that. And it feels pretty good. So maybe I can actually catch up on some of this pile and see where we go. Those things are popular. My uh, lovely wife just bought one and uh, has been using it frequently to get stuff done. Well, I've seen the, you know, this last one that I bought was nice. It's got a little slide out tray, goes to either side for the mouse and has a place to pop your tablet into. And this has a gel cushion and had a USB light on it. And you could also unplug the USB light and then use that as a USB power port battery operated thing. And it was great. And the girlfriend commandeered it because she works from home and I've wanted another one. And they're just so damn expensive. Like you get on Amazon, you can't buy one for less than 40, 50 bucks. And I was walking through a Walmart and they had these things for, you know, $15. And I really go nothing. I'm going to go ahead and spend 15 bucks and see what that does. It's a slightly different design. It doesn't have the USB port or anything. But, you know, I looked at it and I said, yeah, let's see what's on Amazon. And then I went, geez, these things are still expensive. So I went back and bought this thing. Crazy. $15 can make your life so easy. I don't know if that transitions, but we're going to talk a little <laughs> bit of tech today. <laughs> sure, sure. It's close enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, the laptop computers, uh, why computers are so involved in our lives. And I don't think this is going to get to electric cars, but maybe it will get to it. And this is also one of those reasons we're talking about doing the live streams to at least Patreon, if not however we do it. It's because it'd be nice to get some listener questions actively during the show. We've put out a thing on social media and we got a few questions already, but we're going to dive into chat GB. Derek is an expert on chat GB. Does oh, not, yeah. you know, yeah. th there's not a moment that goes by that GBT is not going through his head. Right, Derek? E exactly. That's that's why I am. Well, I want to phrase this, you know, such a such an amazing historian, <laughs> because all <laughs> historians rely on Google and Wikipedia and chat. GP has just brightened our days to the point that if Derek's speed legs a little bit here, that's because he's downloading chat GPT to use it right now. <laughs> No, it's just if, it's, if 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 any of my professors hear this episode, this is not something I use in my daily life. Okay, I just, I just want to make that clear. As a historian, this is not the way to go. It's interesting. Um, I because I do so much with computer stuff during the day. I've been I play a little bit with AI, and I've used ChatGPT to write some letters. Uh, I use a AI software called AudioPen, links in the description, that I only use the free version. 
it's 75 bucks for one year or 150 dollars for as long as the software exists the guy doesn't call it a lifetime subscription it's for the life of the software which is a very accurate description and i'm really thinking of going to the paid version because the free version is so great but you get your you get your phone out it's on there you push a button you get three minutes and you can dictate anything you want to it you can just go uh Chevrolet Vega, Chevy Nova, you know, V8 powered, blah, you know, a couple things like that. And then it'll put it into a nice, well-written paragraph to the point I've used it. I'm developing a short five-minute podcast. I'm using it to write the scripts for that. I've used it to write guest invitations for this podcast. It's just a great little piece of software, and it hardly needs any human input. It's one of the best pieces of AI that I've actually used. And I've with chat GPT, everybody's kind of using it. And it seems it's real popular in the tech world and things, things like that. But you can ask it anything and it'll write you letters or it'll give you answers. But the problem is chat GPT has been known to make up answers, to lie to you, to get things wrong. Uh, it's interesting. We, you know, in preparation for the show, we asked it some questions and it flat says, well, what was one of these early questions Derek threw out one that he knew, you know, he knew it would stump it, but it really shouldn't because this information's on Google, on Wikipedia, has been there for 20-ish years. Derek did admit this stuff did not exist on the Internet until he wrote a paper on it, and then, it, boom, it appeared. It's kind of like back in 0304 when I restored the Cunningham C3. There was nothing on the Internet on it. And we showed the car in Amelia in 2004. And by 2006, six of these 18 cars are being restored. And, you know, it's on the Internet and people have all of a sudden pulled them out of the woodwork. Uh, so but Chad GPT basically comes out and says, you know, the question was, what unique engine design did the Apex Ace automobile use? And Chad GPT's answer is, as of my last update in September 2021, there is no information available about an automobile called the Apex Ace or any unique engine design associated with it. Say, it says it's possible that the Apex Ace is a fictional or conceptual vehicle that was not widely known or released at the time. At that time, what year was the Apex Ace, Derek? Oh, I believe the production of that car was nineteen, like nineteen nineteen to nineteen twenty three, right around that era is when they the company actually existed in Ipsland. So it beat that deadline that ChatGPT is saying by 100 years. And then it says automotive designs and technologies are continually evolving with new vehicles with innovative features that have emerged since its last update. It's possible that this vehicle was introduced after September 2021. It was introduced prior to September 1921. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And to get the most accurate, up-to-date information, this, this, this paragraph I love. To get the most accurate and up-to-date information about the Apex Ace automobile or any other recent developments in the automotive industry, I recommend checking with the reliable automotive news sources or the manufacturer's official website. And we highly recommend here at ChatGPT you listen to the No Driving Gloves podcast for this information. One sentence and that was... But, so not everything's out there. If somebody says, hey, what's an Apex Ace? And you top it in, type it in... You know, maybe this is a, a well, I'm not going to say that, but I just thought about this. What in the world does the GBT stand for? I can't remember. No. Okay. I could probably look it up, but eh, maybe we can ask, ask chat GBT. What does GBT stand for in your name? 
I'm just changing the question to what is the Apex Ace automobile? Because we found an interesting thing also in the... Nope, it doesn't even know the Apex Ace automobile. But we did ask it, Randy Ema. I think most of our listeners know who Randy Ema is. And he is a... When you ask it, Randy Ema, as of my last update in September 21, there is no widely known or prominent public figure, Randy Ema, that I'm aware of. It is possible that Randy Ema is a private individual or someone who is not widely recognized on a global side. If he, you know, came to prominence after September 21, blah, blah. So we changed the question just a little bit. Randy Ema Duesenberg. And I love this. This is new to ChatGPT, but it's one of its new updates as of my last update, September 2021. Randy Ema is a well-known car collector and Duesenberg expert. He is well known for his extensive knowledge and passion for Duesenberg automobiles, which were some of the most luxurious and prestigious cars built in the early 20th century. Randy Ema has dedicated much of his life to the preservation and restoration of Duesenberg cars. He has been involved in the discovery, restoration, and documentation of values, or excuse me, of various Duesenbergs, contributing significantly to the history and heritage of these classic. And it is important to note that some of this information may be outdated. These disclaimers at the very beginning and the very end are actually new to ChatGPT in like the last week or two because of the inaccuracy of ChatGPT. But I just found it interesting. It couldn't find Randy Ema, but when you threw the word Duesenberg in there, it knew some stuff. It doesn't go on to say that Randy Ema was integral in helping the uh, Derek Moore car collection grow to new heights and levels, ah, but... Ah. <laughs> But it was, you know, it's just kind of interesting some of the stuff that it throws out there. I threw out the uh, question free show. It was one that was sent in to us by a listener. But what is the timing on an LS1 V8? Kind of, it tells us what ignition timing is. It is the precise movement of spark plug fires in each cylinder during the engine's combustion cycle. And then goes on to say that it's typically 10 to 12 degrees. But check with the manufacturer because this varies on what is, uh, what's it telling us? Uh, fuel quality, engine modification, and performance requirement. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought that was a reasonable answer. It kind of gave, you know, if you're doing a research paper, it probably gave you enough. If you're on chat GPT instead of your uh, Mitchell online manual or something like that, that might not be the place to. Yeah. Now there's another good one that came in from a listener. And I think we've, we've talked about it on the show in the past. Cause it's, it's a, uh, kind of an automotive history question. Uh, and I, I have not checked chat GBT, so this will be interesting to see, but, and maybe, maybe the uh, listener that sent this in, listened to the show where I've complained about this. And I think we, I should say, have complained about this, John, but uh, the listener wants us to ask chat G what year was the Ford Mustang introduced? You have to excuse me. I am not the world typist. And of course, hopefully people listening understand that this is a bit of a tricky question for some people in the automotive world. The Ford Mustang was first introduced on April 17, 1964. The car made its debut at the New York World's Fair and was an instant success, creating a new class of vehicles known as Pony Car. The Mustang quickly became an iconic an enduring model in the automotive industry and has since gone through multiple generations, redesigns, maintaining its popularity over the decade. Okay. So maybe we need to change the question up a little and say, what was the first year of production for the Ford Mustang? Well, I didn't change the question. I had it regenerate the answer. 
The Ford Mustang was first introduced on April 17, 1964. The 1965 model year was the first official production year of the Ford Mustang. There it, it was is. Un unveiled to the public at the New York's World Fair on April 17th, just saying exactly what I did. But it added that one line, which is what you were looking for, isn't it? Yeah. Now, that's it's interesting that you can ask it the same question or at least regenerate the answer, and it actually finds more information. That's, that's get, that, will, that in some ways worries me. <laughs> well, then you get to say to it, was this response better or worse? And ah. better, worse, or the same? I'll go ahead and click better because it was a better answer. Yes. Yeah. So I think everybody listening understands that the, the trick question there or the, the, um, the hang up that some people have in the automotive history world is, of course, the Ford Mustang. The first production year was 1965. All Mustangs are 1965 Mustang serial number one that is at the Henry Ford. The documentation that existed on that car says it is a 1965 model. It's one of the little irritations in my life when people, I get that you want to distinguish that you have an early Ford Mustang and call it a 64 and a half, but that shouldn't show up on the title. It just shouldn't. I wonder, I would have to check, um, but you know, my family has a very, very, very early. Mm -hmm. And I wonder what its title um, specifies it as. I mean, I think we've always referred to it as a 65, but it is it is a triple digit production number, 64 and a half. 64. Yeah. <laughs> I'm guessing you bought, guys are the, the second owners, right? Yeah, that I was bought recall. used in May of 1964. I guarantee you the the paperwork says 1960 well and that goes back to and this is not necessarily um what do i want to say manufacture well it, it does it's not directly related to the mustang but even to this day you can release a model year ahead of the calendar year so in on january 1st 2024 you can start selling cars built to EPA DOT specifications for 2025 and start calling it a 2025. December 31st, you cannot sell that car as a 2025, but you have a 12-month leeway. And usually a manufacturer will lean to the year, the following year, and never build something to, say, in the Mustang's case, 1964 model year specifications, even though there weren't that many laws in place at this time and only build it for one year just to have it change to the 65 stuff in a couple of months. Because sometimes the, say, we'll go back to 2025, the 2025 rules might be different than the 2024 model year rules. And so they, they always default to the latest and greatest technology and the latest and greatest rules to save that mid-year production. Derek should know this very well because of a certain car that does not exist does exist yes I, b I believe you're talking about the uh, corvette yes the model year that never existed the production model year existed because some 1983 corvettes were built but they were test vehicles and of course only one survives to this day and by the time Sh chevrolet was ready to release and build the 1983 corvette the night it was eligible to be sold as a 1984 model year hence why no 83s were introduced because they introduced as an 84 because there were some um, EPA changes uh, between 83 and 84, some 
pollution requirements. I don't know if that was just California Air Resources Board or if that was national. I know there were some safety cons- or some concerns there about the differentiation differentiation of model use. So here's here we're going to get off topic here, John. We do this all the time. That's why it's no driving gloves. But you know, and and okay, people take this as sarcasm because that's what it is. But is this one of those Ford versus Chevy things where you know Chevy owners, uh, specifically Corvette owners, can uh, laugh in the face of Ford Mustang owners? Because no Corvette owner is out there running around like, eh, well, you know, I've got a 1983 and a half Corvette because it's it's early production, you know, and b- before they really built 84s. I mean, it, it, is that one of those things where we can say, you know, Corvette owners got a little little up on Mustang owners because they actually admit to the correct year of their 84 Corvette? Nah, because I think Corvette and Mustang buyers are completely different. If we're talking a Camaro, yeah, maybe. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I did type into Chat GPT to keep it on topic. Was there a 1983 Corvette? The first answer, no, there was no 1983 Corvette. The Corvette Chevrolet Corvette C4 generation began production in 1983, but due to delays in development, the new model year, the model year was skipped. Instead, the 1984 model year marked the official launch of the fourth-generation Corvette, which continued until 1990. And then it goes on with a few more things. Let's regenerate the answer. Ooh, this one gave me a really long answer. I'm sure you guys don't want me to... And this answer is better, though. No, there was no 1983 Corvette produced for the general public. The 1983 model year was skipped entirely for the Corvette due to several reasons. And then it goes on in the late 70s. General Motors was working on developing a completely designed Corvette for the 83 model year. However, the launch was delayed for technical and quality control issues. The new electronic fuel injection system was a major component of the new Corvette was not ready for production. Additionally, there were concerns about manufacturing techniques and materials. As a result of these delays in production, the decision was made to skip the 83 model year and release the all-new Corvette as an 84. Uh, goes on to say something, then it finishes. Final par- final paragraph. While a small number of pre-production 83 Corvettes were built, they were not made available to for sale to the public and were mostly used for testing and development purposes. These pre-production 1983 Corvettes are highly sought after by collectors due to their rarity and historical significance. Well, yeah, they're highly sought after, but nobody can have one. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Well, I'm still giving that a better it's, a better answer. Other than the last sentence, that is much better. I mean, I guess yes, the one and only is highly sought after. If so, oh, I'm sure there's Corvettes out there. I'm sure Hendrick would pay, you know, seven figures to have that in it. Mm-hmm. So here we are with Chat GPT. It's vague on the first answer, but it's sure getting a little precise when you do a regeneration of the. Uh, do you have any quick pop up questions for this, uh, Derek, or? Can I try some of these uh, listener. Per- the the problem is, you know, that I like to try to stump these things with like the Apex Ace automobile questions and stuff. So anything I'm going to try to come up with, it's going to come back with as of 2021. I don't know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds like a personal problem. Maybe you should not be so knowledgeable. Yeah. Maybe let me let me dumbify should, myself. Dumb it down for the show. <laughs> Now let me let me think. I want to ask one of the the listener supplied questions. I'll I'll think of something. Okay, this one was from David. What are George Harris 
You know, it helps if I put the cursor on the See, right I screen. I don't think you were typing in. I was typing, but I don't know where I was typing. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Oh, I know. I was renaming one, our Trello board. Oh, awesome. Like the little clicking in the background. Next time we do this, I will uh, have like Jeopardy mute or something in the Ooh, background. Ooh, that'd be a good one. This is going to be a very long. Uh, actually, it's about a, it's shorter yeah. than the Corvette. The second Corvette answer. He George Barris was known as one of the most influential car customizers, car customizers and designers of an automotive history, particularly famous for creating the original Batmobile, which is what I was thinking and I was going for. For the 1966 Batman television series, the iconic Batmobile based on a 55 Lincoln uh, Futura concept car became an instant sensation. It's considered one of the most recognizable and beloved vehicles in pop culture history. So that's the answer I was going for. Yeah. If I was, and then he says, in a, it says, in addition to the Batmobile, George Barris designed and customized numerous other famous cars for movies, television shows, and celebrities. Some of his other notable creations include the Munster Coach and Dragula from the TV show The Munsters, which, by the way, I know this show will have already released. Dragula is being shown by Eddie Munster. That was the kid mm -hmm. in Peoria, Illinois, this coming Thursday. He's 70 years old and still talk about, I feel old and miss my youth. If you're touring with the car from your TV show from when you were 11 at 70, I'm sorry. But cool wow. to see the car. Wow. <laughs> the General Lee from the Dukes of Hazard and the Kit from Knight Rider, among many others. Unfortunately, most people of this generation will not know what the original General Lee looked like. It has some offensive things other than its orange paint job. Hell yeah. Um, George Barris is innovative and imaginative car designs have left a lasting impact on the automotive entertainment world, earning him the nickname King of the Customizer. His work continues to be admired and celebrated by car enthusiasts and fans of pop culture. George Barris passed away in 2015, but his legacy lives through his iconic car design. And if I remember correctly, didn't George Barris die like the day before the SEMA show? It was, yeah, it was really close to that. Yeah, yeah I, I, thought, remember I they, thought it was a George quickly... Barris thing to keep him relative and disgusted at SEMA one last time. Yeah, there you go. I think they quickly pulled together a bunch of the cars and uh, did a little tribute to him, which, you know, very well, good, he, good, he, on, you good on the day George. Before, they, can't, they can't do that tribute, so everybody talks about you, and then you do the tribute the following year, so you get two more years. There you go, yeah, it's, there you go. It's like when, when a celebrity dies, you have to be very careful because they always die in threes, and you can't die and then have somebody bigger than you die the same week. Exactly. Um, Billy Mays Hayes was always the big one that I always did. The guy from the ShamWow or OxyClean commercials. Yeah. He died the same week as Farrah Fawcett, which you think would overshadow it. But she died the same week as Michael Jackson, which overshadowed both of them. So we didn't know, you know both of them died. And everybody yeah. thinks Billy Mays Hayes died of a cocaine overdose. He died of a heart embolism that was brought on by continued cocaine oh, use. But he didn't die of a cocaine overdose. Uh, see, and that's why you just need to be Betty White level, because <laughs> nothing can trump Betty White, right? Nothing, nothing could overshadow. She did it. She did it so good, too, because she stayed on just long enough for everybody to publish the 100th birthday celebration issues of their magazine. Yeah. You know, people... Betty White, you know, sees the century mark and then dies two weeks before. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Betty. But that that but was, that, but that's, that's classic Betty White. That's classic it is very classic Betty White. Betty White. So now she got all that publicity. She held the headlines for two solid months because of that. <laughs> <Yeah>. Wow. <laughs> and I will point out 
that we have to remember that George Barris is not only remembered in the automotive world, but he's remembered in the, I guess it'd be considered metal world, right? Metal music. Because how many songs out there, especially in the world of heavy metal music, or I think I'm classifying it in the right place, are actually named directly after one of his builds. Rob Zombie, Dragula. You know, I mean, it is a song named after Dragula about the car. Which will probably be played at the Wheels of Time Museum in Peoria, Illinois, this coming Thursday. (laughs) (laughs) If they can get the licensing rights from Rob Zombie, we really need to figure out something to do with music rights, which totally off subject. But Adam Curry, uh, former MG. MTV uh, VJ and the founder, one of the Podfathers, founders of podcasting, just introduced in the last two weeks a new way to release podcasts that might actually allow music to be used in them because it pays the creator directly, does not go through a manager, does not go through whatever. And when it's a complicated way of paying, but basically when the song gets used and people pay, contribute. That money gets divided up exactly how the band sees fit. So if it's the Beatles, they could say that all the money goes to the Beatles, or they can say it goes to Ringo, Paul, John, and George, and they each get 25%, and the check goes right to their bank account. Does not go through a middleman, does not go through, doesn't have to go through somebody who says, I'm going to take a third so I can divide it up four ways. Uh, It looks really, really good. It's two weeks old, probably going to take four or five more years for that to catch on because another way of um, boosting podcasts using Satoshi's, which is Satoshi is one millionth of a Bitcoin. Um, It's, it's a real complicated way of podcasting. Um, But I think it's actually slowly catching on and been growing. And you'll find if, as you listen to podcasts, this might be a way you contribute your creators easily so there's another good question for chat chat gb because we're talking of music and and we talk about it on the show regularly that it would be nice if we could start using music because music is so entwined in automotive culture and history and john's going off on a different topic here while i'm talking but uh, you're talking about music history After we talk about the question you just asked it, I think the next question we could ask is, what was the first song written about an automobile? Now, I know some of the early songs, but I'm not sure I know the very first. I think that's going to be a very general answer. Okay. Yep. Is it it right? As far as I know, I believe that was the very first song written about an automobile. But I haven't really dove into really. This is one we could play. Um, Yeah, technically we could. Yeah. One of the earliest songs written about the automobile is My Mary Oldsmobile. It is composed in 1905 by Gus Edwards Music and Vincent P. Bryan lyrics. The song became popular and was performed by various artists of the time. The song tells the story of a couple, Mr. and Mrs. Jones, who got who go for a ride in their Oldsmobile, a brand of automobile manufactured by Oldsmobile Division of General Motors. The lyrics evoke the joy and excitement of driving the car and romance of the couple's outing. In My Merry Oldsmobile was a commercial success and contributed to the growing popularity and fascination with automobiles. In the early 20th century, it is considered to be one of the earliest instances of an automobile theme song in pop American popular music history, which I'm going to look this up on a different 
electronic device in front of me. And if I can call it up, I'll play it at the very end of the show because so, 1905, it should be a free copyright. Oh yeah. I would. Yeah. I think it's anything before 1920. It's somewhere nine, in the twenties, isn't it? Yeah. It's 1923 or earlier. Yeah. And we're getting to that really fuzzy area because the reason it right now, I think it's 95 years before it goes into public domain. And you still, there's a lot of catches you have to be careful of, but Disney's the one that forces those years. And we're yeah. technically next year, Steamboat Willie will enter the public domain unless Disney does a, some heavily, heavy lobbying this year. Mm -hmm. And you're probably going to see that take place. So we're almost 120 years in automotive music. How do you like that? But the thing is with, you have to be careful of the version you play. If the version you play was recorded after 1923, you violate the copyright. The version you play has to be prior to 1923, which kind of makes little sense. But it's like the song Happy Birthday. There's a lot of versions people play that are recorded after 1923. Of course, I think Happy Birthday might have a exception. There was a big lawsuit about it, I think, and it, you know, that it's just public domain and it doesn't matter. But well, anyway. happy there's happy birthday and one or two other songs. Um, yeah, it doesn't. Matter. But we're, you're not here to listen to uh, copyright stuff. Yeah, you're here to enjoy the last three or four minutes of the No Driving Gloves podcast. Check us out at nodrivinggloves.com. There's gear there, all the back episodes, some of the old live streaming episodes. Stay tuned there for information about the new live streaming stuff, whether it's going to be free on YouTube or slightly behind a paywall on Patreon. The only reason I want to do the paywall is because, like I said, no set dressing, very raw and uncut. I want you to know to pay so that you've definitely acknowledged that, eh, this is kind of crappy production because the real production goes into the audio show of the real world. And you get to see my arms flapping around, which drives my girlfriend insane. Exactly. You know what, John? Hurt. One last question for chat. G chat. G T. There we go. Seeing this podcast started in 2017. We are not on there. You know, why won't you let me just finish my, my phrase here? I was going to say, ask it. What is the no driving gloves podcast? You know, and this is a funny answer because it did exactly what you said as of my last update, or I said, as of my last update, there was no podcast specifically known as the no driving gloves podcast. The funny thing is, this isn't part of my research this week. I went through all my various podcasts and no driving gloves is the number one search result. No driving gloves podcast is the number one search result on Google and smoking underground is the number one uh, search result for those terms on Google. So why chat GPT can't find it? I don't know. Let's regenerate. Wait a sec. Wait a sec. Wait a sec. You regenerated it. Yeah. Did you need me to go back? Yeah, because it's interesting. So we just said no driving gloves podcast, right? Well, right. I guess it's, it's because the word driving is in there, but I found it interesting that the last paragraph is to find the most up-to-date and accurate information about the no driving gloves podcast or any other podcasts related to cars or automotive topics, I recommend searching on popular podcast directories. So it must just be that word driving. They're assuming that it's about automotive topics or cars. We do a third regeneration. Oh. Yep. We're just not now. Well, yeah, I mean, we, the way we, it is. 
we, we it's weird though it's, it's this podcasting world you bounce into the, we've been in the top 100 believe it or not a couple of times this year even with the the way things work on some of the ratings but i'm sure i could type in ferris podcast or ferrison's podcast and they would show up but you know gotta gotta get more people listening even though like i say the numbers are growing we're not quite as strong as we were back in uh 2019-2020, but we're we're rapidly getting there. So I think some of our older listeners that never took us out of their players are rediscovering us as we get into yes. this regular release rotation. And shoot, oh, I wanted to do one more. If he comes up, mm-hmm. he doesn't come up, he shouldn't. Ah, oh, that's rough. Well, let me try it this way. There we go. Doing a search on Will Posey, our former co-host, uh, comes up with nothing. But Will Posey in Big Oak Garage... Um, I don't know this person though. Is that second paragraph correct, Derek? Do you know that person? I I don't believe so because if I recall correctly, he did that with his dad. Yeah, and I don't believe that's the his dad's first name. No, no, it isn't. And th- this is where we were kind of going with Chat GPT. Um, we asked at Will Posey, and it couldn't find a Will Posey. Then we asked at Will Posey Big Oak Garage, and it comes back with. As of the last update, September 2021, Will Posey is a well-known automotive enthusiast and builder, and he is associated with Big Oak Garage. Big Oak is a renowned automotive restoration and custom shop located in Hoax Bluff, Alabama, USA. The shop is known for its high-quality craftsmanship and attention to detail in restoring and customizing classic cars and trucks. Will Posey, along with his brother Kevin Posey, founded Big Oak Garage and they have gained recognition for their work through various automotive shows, events, and publications. The shop specializes in vintage car restoration, custom car builds, and creating one-of-a-kind vehicles for clients. Since the automotive industry is continually evolving, there may have been further developments or achievements related to Will Posey and Big Oak Garage since my last update. For the most current and accurate information about Will Posey and Big Oak Garage, I recommend checking their official website, social media profiles, or recent news articles related to their work. And like I said, I did not, I'm not aware of Will having a brother, (laughs) let alone a brother named Kevin. Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, there's nothing on the Big Oak Garage website about that. They talk about Will's dad and Will. I was going to check one other place. So what have we learned? Don't trust AI. Come on, people. Now, I have just checked will's private facebook page and i would assume if he started his shop with his brother kevin he would be friends with kevin and he is not friends with a kevin posey so i'm sorry will if that is a brother that has passed away (laughs) or you've had a bad business relationship but i've never heard or seen we did finally come across a inaccuracy on chat gpt that it kind of pretended to know the answer but Derek, is that it? Otherwise, we're going to wrap this up. We're at like close to that 60 minute mark. And I have like a two minute song to play us out of here. Yeah, I think I think that was good. I think we proved our point here, John, that no driving gloves is the authority on automotive history and automotive related topics, not chat GBT. Yeah, we, we, we're definitely better. Well, that's what we've proved is we are better than chat GPT. Exactly. Let's see what this track sounds like that you spoke of. This should be the world's first automotive-related song. As soon as... uh, Of course, there's got to be advertisement. As soon as we get through our ads, because I'm too cheap to pay for the paid... um, This is... 
boy, slow introduction. Young Johnny still has an old mobile. He loves the steel the queen of his jazz machine. He has his heart in the world. Now when the forest stream, you know, he tries to love the auto door. He lifts a steer while he gets her ear and whispers Come away with me, Lucille, in my merry old mobile down the road of life. We'll fly autumn all bubbling you and I to the church with Lucille. Then our wedding bells will fill. You can go as far as you like with me in my merry old mobile. They love to spark in the dark old park as they go flying along. They he knows why the motor goes, but Barker's awfully strong. Each day they pull to the end, their honeymoon. He'll win, lose, he'll with his old mobile. And then he'll finally grow. Come away with me, Lucille, in my bed. Down the road of life, we'll fly. Autumn over you and I to the church we'll swiftly. And our wedding bells will you can go as far as you like with me in my very old trophy. Come away with me, Lucille, in my merry old office down the road of life. You fly autumn all bubbling you and I to the church with me. Then our way you can go as far as you like with me in my merry old office. <laughs> Well, there it was, everybody. My that made my heart happy. We're out of This show was a part of the No Driving Gloves Network, produced and edited by John Viviani of Magic City Podcast, with voice work by Gary Conger. So until the next exit.